welcome to episode two of Deeper Music, a podcast about classical music. I'm David Kahn, a composer and saxophonist from San Diego. Last week, I said that the next episode would be about piano sonatas. As I started thinking about how to approach piano sonatas, I realized that there was no way to describe this music without also describing how it is constructed. Since sonata form is much larger than just piano sonatas, I figured that it would probably be good for me to describe it as soon as possible, as it'll help inform our studies of classical genres. This episode might get a little complicated, uh, so if you don't understand it all right away, don't worry. Sonata form takes time and effort to really internalize, and it took a lot of studying for me to get used to it. I hope that this episode will be a good and informative guide for a new listener, and I'll try and focus on the most basic and audible concepts in sonata form. So let's get started. Sonata form is one of the most important concepts in classical music. Sonata form pervades nearly all of Mozart's music, much of Beethoven's music, and has had a strong hold on the classical world since, even influencing modern composers such as Mahler and Prokofiev. What makes sonata form tricky to talk about, however, is that nobody seems to know what it really is. The originators of sonata form, Haydn and Mozart, had no concept of what they were doing or why they were doing it. The concept of a sonata form didn't even materialize until the Romantic era. Music theorists have since tried desperately to properly define sonata form, but a major problem starts to emerge. Haydn and Mozart wrote a ton of music, most of which used sonata form. This gives a strong basis for analysis, and we can begin to see general patterns in their music. However, when it comes to specifics, things get much more hairy. Haydn and Mozart were very sensitive to the needs of their musical ideas and gave them custom treatment in every single piece that they wrote. Thus, there is no such thing as an ideal sonata. Every piece that has been written deviates from the basic form in some way. One could argue that this is what makes the music great. Listeners who had an expectation for how the music should go were constantly being thwarted with the small details that the masters threw at them. Another argument could be made, however, that the concept of sonata as an ideal form is inherently flawed, and that it should be instead viewed as a procedure, like a verb instead of a noun. There is no doubt a sense of direction in this music, as each melody and harmony has a specific purpose. Maybe sonata form is just a theatrical way of presenting lots of musical ideas. Maybe sonata form can exist as both a form and a process, like light exists as both a wave and a particle. For the purposes of this podcast, I want to keep things simple. I don't want to present a definite opinion on what sonata form is, not just because I don't have one, but also because I wouldn't want to color your understanding of the music. Instead, I'll just pull apart some of the aspects of sonata form that are most important to a listener. Hopefully, after learning what to listen for, you'll be able to hear a symphony, or a piano sonata, or a string quartet, or any of the many other pieces written in sonata form, and you'll have a basic understanding of what's going on. One tricky aspect of sonatas that I want to get out of the way is the distinction between sonata the form and sonata the genre. The musical genre, named sonata, has been around since the Baroque era, and describes a piece of music written for a solo instrument and piano, or perhaps just for piano. The earliest sonatas were written mostly for violin and piano, but the sonata for solo piano became popular soon afterwards. The form of these sonatas was not quite what we understand as sonata form. They were instead simple binary forms. This simple binary form would eventually grow and expand, and it became so unique that it needed a new name. Thus, the name for this form became sonata form, based on its use in the first movements of sonata pieces. 
So to create sonata form, we have to start with binary form. Binary form is a musical form that has two distinct parts. We can call these A and B, which are each about the same length. Each of these sections is usually repeated, so the whole form would amount to AABB. One variation of this simple form, known as rounded binary, added a return to the A theme near the end of the B section. This gives us a first part of A and a second part of BA. Despite the music having three distinct sections, A, B, and a reprise of A, the music still has the symmetry and balance of the basic binary form. The full rounded binary, with repeats, would amount to A-A-B-A-B-A. This form became very popular during the classical era, and was the main structural device of minuets and rondo themes. For an example, let's listen to the main theme of a very famous rondo, Mozart's Rondo alla Turca, from the last movement of his Piano Sonata in A, K331. Here is the initial A part. This A theme is then repeated. Next, we have a different but somewhat related theme that we call B. We then briefly return to the A theme. We then repeat this second section, the BA, again. And that's the end of the binary form. Let's listen to this example in its entirety. Rounded binary form became a very popular way to organize small amounts of music, from the earliest sonatas to later minuets and rondo themes. So let's take our rounded binary form, the A and BA sections. To create sonata form, all we have to do is rename these sections. The initial A is called the exposition, the B section is called the development, and the later A is called the recapitulation. What happens in a sonata form is basically this. An exposition is presented and repeated, then the materials of the exposition are chopped up and played with into the development section, then the themes of the exposition return in the recapitulation. This whole second section is then repeated. Well, except when it isn't. Apparently, there were no hard rules as to whether or not the repeats of sonata form were even necessary. The exposition is often repeated, but the second part, the development and recapitulation, isn't always repeated. As the development section got longer and more involved, composers were less likely to repeat the second section of a sonata. Eventually, even the expositions became so long that composers stopped repeating them. 
In this way, we can see how a small binary form has slowly morphed into a large ternary form. Let's take a closer look at the exposition. Sonata form expositions often consist of two distinct themes that exist in distinct tonal areas. For example, the exposition of a sonata in C major could have a primary theme in C major and a secondary theme in G major. In major mode sonatas, the key of the secondary theme was often a perfect fifth above the key of the primary theme. In terms of key signature, this would mean adding a sharp or removing a flat. This sets up a central problem of the sonata form. If nothing is done about the second theme, we might end the sonata in the wrong key. It then becomes the job of the recapitulation to transform the music of the exposition in some way so that the second theme appears in the correct key. You can think of the narrative of sonata form like that of a buddy cop movie. Two cops are partnered together, and they don't like each other. After going through an adventure, it really doesn't matter what the adventure is, the cops come out with a better understanding of each other. This classic narrative is the key to what makes sonata form so appealing and dramatic. After all this talk, let's finally listen to an example. Here's Mozart's Serenade in G major, K525, also known as Eine Kleine Nacht music. I'm sure you'll recognize this. That was our primary theme. We will now start transitioning to the secondary theme. The process of transition usually involves the use of notes that get faster and faster, creating a buildup of excitement that results in a big cadence and a brief pause. Here's our secondary theme in D major. Secondary themes are typically more lyrical than the exciting primary themes, but this isn't always the case. The goal of the secondary theme is to arrive at a big cadence in the new key. This will involve a lot of the same techniques as were used in the transition, but often uses a lot of fakeouts as well to heighten the drama. In this case, the secondary theme arrives at its big cadence without much of a fuss. music now dances around a little bit to celebrate its arrival in a new key.
This entire exposition is then repeated. See if you can hear where the different sections are. We now begin the development section. The purpose of the development is to take the themes of the exposition and recycle them in new and exciting ways. This often involves repeating fragments of melodies in harmonic sequences. This is then usually followed by a segment of music that tries to lead back to the recapitulation, which is known as the retransition. We're now at the recapitulation. We expect the primary theme to come back as it was in the exposition. The recapitulatory transition is sometimes the most interesting part of the sonata. Since we need the secondary theme to be in the home key, the transition has to change. Sometimes composers will make such a big deal out of this that they'll end up over-modulating to somehow get back to the home key. In this case though, Mozart tactfully shortens the transition so it doesn't modulate.
we now have the secondary theme in our home key, G major. All we have to do to finish the sonata is have our big cadence in G major. We then have our usual closing section and a coda if the composer decides to add one. Codas are not a necessary part of the sonata form, but they often help to finalize the ending. This is just one of many, many examples of the classical sonata form. Though the form seems simple, there are many variables that can be altered. What is remarkable about the sonatas of great composers is that every decision about the form is made to perfectly fit the characteristics of the musical materials, the themes or ideas the composer is working with. A composer can easily make any section of a sonata more or less complex, more or less dramatic, more or less predictable, to shape the form to their will. And, tying it all together, is the central conflict of the primary and secondary themes that needs to be resolved in the recapitulation. The narrative power of sonata form helps add drama and intensity to what would otherwise be completely abstract music. After the classical era, composers slowly went to work dismantling the core concepts of sonata form. Beethoven helped expand on sonata form, with a more extreme sense of narrative and tension, as is evidenced by some of his lengthy codas. Beethoven also searched for alternatives to the tonic-dominant thematic relationship. Instead of having the second theme be in a key a perfect fifth above the home key, Beethoven experimented with keys related by thirds in pieces like his Waldstein Sonata. As later composers continued to experiment with tonality, the central conflict that helped define sonata form began to dissolve, leaving a skeleton of its former self. Many composers still found this structure useful, however. Even atonal composers like Schoenberg and Stravinsky used sonata form in some of their works. The present and future of sonata form is unknown. What started as a natural development of binary form quickly became the standard form for instrumental music for the next several hundred years. The original concepts and values that led to the creation of sonata form do not exist in modern society, so it is hard to argue that sonata form is still suitable for modern music, especially after the tonal crisis of the 20th century. The core concepts of musical proportion and large-scale drama are still appealing, but how should we apply these concepts to modern music in a way that fully represents our current world? So that was a brief introduction to the idea of sonata form. Obviously, there are a lot of details to be explored, a lot more examples to listen to, and much more to think about in regards to this topic. Music theorists can, and have, spent their entire lives studying just this form, 
trying to figure out how it was conceived, how it was listened to, how it's changed over time, and how we understand it today. There's a lot of interesting psychology that goes into what makes sonata form such a powerful and popular form, but for now, I hope this episode will give you enough to chew on. So for next week, I'll focus on piano sonatas, and we'll be able to get right to the juicy details about the most famous pieces. I hope you'll join me. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys. Thank you.